0: Hello, I'm Brian Mastroianni, and welcome back to Resolve Talks, the podcast from Resolve Global Health, where we speak with experts from a range of industries about what is holding us back from building healthier societies around the world. Today, we are joined by Jenna Rich, a chronic illness advocate and registered nurse in the U.S. For over a decade, she's worked in specialty areas like internal medicine, trauma, kidney transplant, oncology, and leukemia bone marrow transplant. Besides serving as a healthcare worker, Jenna Rich has built a platform as a health advocate for others like her, raising awareness and sharing resources about chronic illness, women's health, and especially endometriosis. She founded the Endometriosis Coalition and authored a book called Part of You, Not All of You. She's also one of the subjects of Below the Belt. It's a new documentary from filmmaker Shannon Cohn and it has the support of some pretty high-profile executive producers. Think former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton, the late U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch, and actors and activists Rosario Dawson, Corinne Fox, and Mae Whitman. The film follows four women living with endometriosis, all from very different walks of life, through their years of ups and downs, from appointments and surgeries to medical setbacks and misdiagnoses. In the US, the film will premiere nationally, June 21st on PBS stations, and has been seen through screenings around the world, from Iceland to London to Tel Aviv, among other locations. The through line that connects the stories highlighted by the film is a chronic disease that has all too frequently been misunderstood and understudied. Endometriosis affects roughly 200 million women worldwide, and despite its prevalence, is often deprioritized, ignored, stigmatized by providers, policymakers, even health systems themselves that all too commonly fail to acknowledge the seriousness of health issues that affect women and girls globally. What can be done to better raise awareness about endometriosis? And what can we do to create more supportive, affirming, healthier societies for those living with this chronic condition? Hello, Jenna. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here at Resolve Talks. And it's so great to speak with you again.
1: It's so good to be here. Thank you.
0: Of course. Yeah. Thank you again. We, we so appreciate having you here. And, and we're so looking forward to hearing about your, your advocacy and all the important health education work you've been doing. Uh, but I think before we get into that, uh, given that health literacy is so low when it comes to endometriosis, and there's so much misinformation and lack of information out there. Uh, for our listeners, if you could fill in the blank, uh, endometriosis is what? What is it and what would you, what would you like more people to know about uh, this disease?
1: Sure. So by definition, endometriosis is a disease in which tissue similar to the lining of the uterus ends up outside of the uterus throughout the body. Uh, I would like people to know that the disease is a systemic, inflammatory, full-body disease, which I think is not very well known. I think that there's an idea that it just affects the pelvic cavity and starts and stops there, but it really does affect a person's entire body through the inflammatory process and through the different places that the lesions can end up. Um, So I think it's really important to understand that this is a full-body disease
0: um so and and I think we'll we'll touch on this when we talk more about your story, but it really does affect everything it affects your 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 relationships your your work it affects um other aspects of your health and and I feel as you were saying that's something that maybe not everyone knows or or realizes about this condition absolutely I think it's
1: really unknown actually that it, basically comes in and destroys every aspect of somebody's life.
0: You know, when when we talk about your your advocacy work, you've built a strong platform around educating people about not just endometriosis, but other chronic health issues and and about health healthcare in general. Um you you authored the book uh Part of You, not All of You, and uh of course, as I said in the introduction for our listeners, you uh, documented your experience with endometriosis over the course of six years in the film, Below the Belt. Uh, Jenna, why has it been important for you to take on that advocacy role and share your story with people? And and why has that been a central mission for you in, in your life?
1: Yeah, I, that's a great question. Um, I never woke up and said, like I want to be an advocate for chronic illness. <laughs> that is my goal in life it kind of just landed in my lap and that these things happened to me and I didn't feel like I had anywhere to show up and be my authentic self and share what I was going through and have people who understood what I was going through to talk to. It was really lonely and it honestly started out with me forming a a fake Instagram account from my real one where the people in my everyday life didn't know about so that I could be as honest as I wanted to be about the things I was going through and it kind of took off from there and I realized like oh there are so many people like me that need this connection and need this encouragement and just need a place where they can just show up and know that they're going to get just like the most authentic version of what somebody might be going through. And so I share like everything I probably overshare (laughs) (laughs) Um, the good, the bad and the ugly, because in my mind, I'm like, if I'm thinking about it and I'm going through it, there's, there has to be somebody else who's been here too. And I just need them to know that they're not alone in it.
0: And what was that like when, when you started getting that organic engagement from people, when you started that account and you started to share these, these personal, sometimes intimate aspects of your life, what was that like when you heard from people who are connecting with you?
1: It was super overwhelming and honestly, really comforting for me, because like I said, it was a time where I just felt really alone and isolated. You know, I was in my early 20s. Well, my mid 20s when I first started getting sick. So I didn't have really anyone in my life that could relate to what my day to day was like. And so it was therapeutic for me too to have people reaching out and saying, Oh, my gosh, I feel this too. Or I go through this too. Or I thought it was just me. Um, There's just this like, camaraderie in our shared situations that makes it all a little bit easier
0: and i think that dovetails nicely with with below the belt uh for our listeners we met last year uh when this film premiered in 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 the united states in in new york and i got the opportunity to see the film and i was so struck by your story as well as the story of the three other women who were profiled by the filmmaker uh, shannon Cohn. what was it like for you to participate in this film and have this health care journey that you were on uh, documented and, and so publicly, uh, told. Um,
1: during the filming process, Mm -hmm. it really just felt like, oh, I'm just living my day-to-day life and this person that I don't know very well is just following me around (laughs) while I I do this, but as we got deeper into it, I got to know Shannon really well. Um, and so I felt like I was able to completely let my guard down in filming because I, I really did feel like it was just like a family member or a close friend that was seeing the behind the scenes of what our day-to-day, my, my husband and I, our day-to-day was like. Um, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I just knew that I had to share like the good, the bad, of the uh, and the ugly of what, you know, our life looks like behind closed doors, because I think that's something that, most people don't understand is that those of us with this disease are really good at masking how we're feeling in person. We put on smiles that we don't really mean. And we, we suck it up and we bear it to get to work and to functions and to have a social life. I would always say 90% of the things that I would show up to when I was really sick, I was highly medicated to be there and nobody would ever know it. Hmm. So I really just wanted to paint that picture in this, this documentary that followed my portion of like, Oh no, like this is what the other side looks like. When I'm not just in your face smiling, I'm on the couch in complete agony.
0: And and something that I felt connected to you and the other women who are profiled was this refrain that um, endometriosis and it, its symptoms are often uh, disbelieved by doctors and and they're misdiagnosed and, and other uh, people you're interacting with in, in the healthcare system might not Necessarily recognize it at first, or even people in your personal life might not necessarily know what, what you're talking about. Um, how did it feel for you to re- ultimately receive your diagnosis, and then you could actually put a name to what was going on with your your body?
1: So incred- incredibly validating, like so validated. I mean, when you keep going through this process of seeing doctor after doctor and test after test coming back normal. You really do start to internalize it and think like is something is anything wrong with me like am i exaggerating is this not as bad as i'm saying that it is and you almost start to gaslight yourself um so to get that confirmation that no what you're experiencing is really real um it's so validating
0: um and and i think it's so interesting uh the fact that you saw both sides of this as well because not only were you a patient going through this experience with chronic illness but you also work in healthcare you're a nurse and you have a lot of expertise in in healthcare uh i was curious how did your background as as a nurse and a healthcare worker inform how you viewed this experience and viewed um living with endometriosis i recall that you said um from the film when you were in training and you were learning to become a nurse, uh, this didn't even come up in your education. So I was curious um, what that experience was like and if now the subsequent years since, have you seen a push for better education within healthcare about endometriosis?
1: Yeah, so I think me being a nurse navigating this whole situation made it easier for me in a lot of ways. in that I understood the system and, you know, the runner around and how to get through red tape and, and all that kind of stuff. But I still was met with what comes with this disease, the disbelief and not so much disbelieving me that I was feeling what I was feeling, but disbelief that endometriosis could be the cause. So I got a lot of, oh, you're too sick for this to be the only thing. So we were almost like looking for something else for it to be when in my gut, I knew like, There's nothing else wrong with me. I know it's this disease. And so I found it interesting that even with the disease, even with the information that I had and the background that I have, I can only get so far with that because if there was not the education from the provider's perspective about the disease, there was nothing that I could do past that. So like when I realized I had what I thought was diaphragmatic endometriosis, I like to me, my symptoms lined up with it. And when i brought this to a surgeon it was kind of like oh well even if it is that we wouldn't do anything about it so i still was met with oh this isn't that big of a deal we don't need to really you know deal with any urgency until you have a lung collapse is what i was told and so the education part that that's missing on the provider side really does hold so many of us back and like you said in the film i said i never learned about it and i know that A lot of colleagues of mine have never learned about it. I work in primary care now. And so I'm kind of immersed in seeing what it looks like to see these patients for the first time showing up with symptoms that may be endo and how important it is for their providers their primary care provider to to have that on their radar. Like, oh, this could be endometriosis. So I've worked within my organization to educate our nurses and our providers and I think it just kind of starts there, um, this, like, we say each one teach one, this one-by-one one ripple effect of the more people that truly understand it, the more people that can catch it earlier. And that's the work that end of what is doing as well and trying to educate nurses. So it really does matter that those of us who are on the front lines, even just in our day-to-day life, not even having to be clinically, the amount of people that come to us. As their like primary care provider off record, you know, text from family members and friends of like, hey, this is going on, what do you think this is? I think the, the more of us that are providers that have endometriosis on our radar, just the easier it'll be to catch people kind of earlier in their quest for diagnosis.
0: And how much does uh the role of public-facing communications play in that education? Because we were touching on the film uh, you know, just now, and also your your advocacy on social media and and your're writing and you're speaking uh, how much of this is about uh, public education and how what role can that play in raising more awareness and, and putting more of a spotlight on this condition?
1: I think it can play a huge role. Um, we've seen it through other um, public health education and and movements with HIV with breast cancer awareness we've seen that this push of really getting people, to understand and recognize signs of these things can help people get diagnosed and treated earlier. We're still at the point where so many people don't even know what endometriosis is, both male, females, the world in general. And so until we get to the point where it's as common of a household disease as diabetes and asthma are, we have a lot of work to do. And that's where I think these public health, public education campaigns can come in where you know people aren't just hearing about it for the first time when they think they might have it. They, it's just something that they know already.
0: And as you said, this is a worldwide problem. You and I are both based in the, the U.S., but I was struck by some other statistics I found. I saw one from the 2020 from the Endometriosis UK organization. Uh, out of 1.5 million people surveyed in that country, 54% do not know what endometriosis is at all. Um, and then the same survey highlighted that 33% of women do not know what it is. And 74% of men surveyed had no knowledge of endometriosis. That's just one country, but that's such a stark knowledge gap. Uh, what could healthcare itself perhaps learn from advocates like you and, and storytellers like you and, and when it comes to uh, closing the gap in those those numbers?
1: I think that for a long time in healthcare and I'm speaking from like a provider perspective, there wasn't as much acknowledgement of how much the patient themselves can play a role in the outcomes of their care and empowering them to be able to make the decisions that are best for themselves, informed consent and informed decision-making and making sure that they have the knowledge that they need to make these decisions for themselves. I think we're starting to see now that our patients are more they are they they're a teammate in their care we're collaborating it's not just us telling them what to do and i think recognizing that will lead to providers wanting to educate their their patients to understand these things and to know about all the things that could happen to their body for example we have um certain screenings that we have at certain ages for patients for colon cancer and breast cancer like we could have something along those lines for endometriosis for screening for these patients when they come in and have our checklist of things of, are you experiencing this? I think just putting the education and these, the putting it on our patients' radar of what to be looking out for could really empower them to to be more proactive in their care and collaborating with them in that way.
0: And from you know, the patient level to the policy level, it, it seems like that's also a big. Piece of the puzzle. A lot of our listeners at Resolve Talks are policy leaders and, and decision makers in global healthcare, and uh, I think it's important to note the wide-ranging effects that endometriosis has, not just on uh, the women affected, but society at large. I was looking at this one paper from uh, Frontiers in Global Women's Health, and it states the total U.S. endometriosis economic burden is estimated to be as high as 119 billion dollars each year uh in australia the cost of endometriosis is estimated to be up to roughly 20,898 dollars per woman annually and in canada uh endometriosis patients showed a 46.5 percent overall work impairment due to their symptoms the list obviously goes on uh Clearly, this is a women's health issue, but it's also, as you were saying earlier, a public health issue that affects all aspects of society. Uh, for those who are listening who have that policy role and, and have the ability to take this activism and this education and then implement it into policy, um, do you have a call to action? And And what would you like them to consider when it comes to taking action to make sure that endometriosis is given the seat of the table that some of those other chronic conditions you're mentioning, like colon cancer, for instance, uh, it's given that level of visibility.
1: Yeah. So we actually, those of us in the film, um, and spearheaded by Shannon Cohn and Heather Goodone, who are just wonderful advocates in this space, presented a five-step action plan at the Senate screening of below the ballot of what we would like to see come out of all of this and it touched on things such as a a widespread awareness campaign, a national campaign to just like really get the word out there. It touched on more funding and not just funding for more therapeutics, but more, uh, what focuses on what causes this disease getting to the root cause of why does this even happen to people to begin with so that we can be ahead of and not reactive to when someone gets the disease, can we be screening for it? Is this an, 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 is this a genetic factor that we can be looking at Just really getting down to the nitty gritty of this disease so that we can hopefully prevent people from having to even go through the suffering of it. Um, we would love to see more funding for, um, actually better access to care. So right now, you know, your options are therapeutics or surgery and the most beneficial surgery, which is known as excision surgery isn't covered by most insurance companies. Um, There's a lot of things behind the scenes with coding and diagnostics where A lot of the surgeons that do this extensive, very high risk surgery, just aren't reimbursed at the rate that they should be. And so they don't take insurance. And then patients are trying to find someone who's in network and that's hard to do. So it really, there's, there's just a a huge hurdle in, even when you know what care you need, you don't have the access to do it. So people are emptying their savings accounts and maxing out credit cards and, you know, as you saw in the film, someone's parent taking out a second mortgage on their home just to get this care. Like in the United States, that's crazy to me that we're at that point. Mm-hmm. That a disease that's this common, people are having to go into that type of financial strain just to get the treatment that they need. Um, it also goes into educating our providers, having a, a real plan on educating nursing students and nurse practitioners and doctors on this disease so they can be part of this mission to early diagnosis and early treatment. Like it is a hands, all hands on deck situation. It's not just one thing that needs to happen. It's a lot of moving parts and it's a lot of people needing to come together. And I would just love our policymakers to know that they can be part of spearheading this movement. Like, There are other countries who have come together to form a national plan like Australia has done that. And it really is heartbreaking to be a US citizen and and to know we have so many brilliant minds in so many different areas and we're not the ones leading this fight like that. It breaks my heart to know that because I know we have the skill, the effort, the intelligence, the means, the resources to be that leader in this space. And I would like to call I would like to call to action to be the leaders in this space because we can be, there's no reason that we
0: shouldn't be. Mm. Well, um, I think that call to action is a good note to end on. And, and Jenna, you certainly have uh, become a leader in this space. So we we so appreciate your advocacy and your work uh, for our listeners who, who maybe have been listening to this and are curious to learn more about your work and what you do. I know you're very prolific on, on social media uh, and you have a, website and your your book came out, uh, what is the best way for people to follow you and, and connect with you?
1: Yeah, you can um, head to my website, just JennaReach.com, or you can follow me
0: on Instagram at lifeabove underscore illness. Well, Jenna, thank you again for, for taking the time. It was so great to speak with you. And, and for our listeners who are listening right now and tuning in, Uh, Please listen to our full season of Resolve Talks on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts, where you can hear from a range of experts who discuss how we can build healthier societies around the world together. Uh, Jenarish, thank you so much again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so
1: much.
0: All right. Thank you.